Hello and welcome to Palace Confidential. It's your weekly look at all things royal, brought to you from Mail HQ in Kensington. I'm Jo Elvin, and this week the big royal story was, of course, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge's tour of the Caribbean. The Daily Mail's royal editor, Rebecca English, has been following them every step of the way, and she sent us this video diary. There's going to be a wealth of engagements over the next few days, from visiting Mayan ruins here in Belize to uh, an engagement in Trenchtown, the home of Bob Marley in Jamaica, as well as visiting a, an extraordinary array of charities and organisations in the Bahamas, including one that has very poignant links to William's late grandfather, the Duke of Edinburgh. So sit back and enjoy.
Kim Kate and their team always knew that Jamaica could prove a little bit tricky for them because of the growing air of republicanism here. But I think it's one they have managed to negotiate fairly nimbly diplomatically. They certainly didn't shy away from the subject of conversation when they met the Prime Minister, Mr Holdness, this morning, who made very clear that independence was very much on his mind for this nation. For now, we still have a day and a half left of engagements in Jamaica. Um, there's still plenty more that the couple want to cram in before they move on to the last leg of this Caribbean tour, the Bahamas. Some fantastic scenes there. Let's hear the views of our panel now. And here this week is the royal biographer, documentary maker and Daily Mail columnist, Robert Hardman, and the Mail on Sunday's editor-at-large, Charlotte Griffiths. Welcome to you both. I'm going to come to you first, Robert. Rebecca mentioned the protests there in her piece. Now, it's not the first time they've faced things like this, the royal family, but it does seem the dissenters are getting a lot more airtime this time around. Well, indeed, Joe. I mean, I think it's partly a... a nature of the times we live in, social media can get these things going very quickly. Uh, but as you say, I mean, they've always faced, or not always, but I mean, I've, I've been on tours where the Queen has had, you know, eggs, placards, um, rude remarks. I mean, you know, it sort of goes with the territory. God, imagine uh, egging the Queen. Oh, yeah, no, it happened yeah. in 1992 in, in, in Germany. She had a couple of eggs flying at her in Canada, New Zealand. I mean, these, these, these things happen uh, because of who she represents, and it's the same with the Cambridges. They represent the Crown, the Crown goes all the way back. If you've got any sort of historic grievance, you can usually link it back to the Crown, and here's the Crown in human form. So, mm. uh, But they'll, they'll, they'll ride it. I do think with this trip, I, I sense that because there haven't been any royal tours for a couple of years, everyone's got a little bit out of practice, particularly <laughs> on the planning front. And I don't right. think, I think there were glitches in the planning of this. I mean, for example, when they arrived in, uh, in Belize at the start of this tour, uh, they were met with angry comments from a from a remote village that um, claimed that their visit somehow represented sort of colonialism. But also there was an upset because uh, their helicopter was going to land on the on the on the village playing field, and nobody had asked. And I think those are the sort of things that are that that you know the officials, both within the palace, but also within the governor general's office in that country, they should have been spotting these things. So. I think when they get back from this trip, a few questions will be asked. Yes, and possibly, Charlotte, those images of the Duke and Duchess greeting people in Trenchtown through chain fence. Bit unfortunate. A bit unfortunate. Um, although Raheem Sterling did the same thing, but um, I have to say, I, He's I saw not them. not representing colonial Britain. Yeah, I have to say, <laughs> I did see them and I thought, no, this isn't a good look. And I can, I can imagine William will have gone bananas behind the scenes because he's really? got quite the temper on him. And there have been, as Robert said, there have been some real misfires here on the planning front. And it must be really frustrating for them. They're working their socks off and then there's just clangers like that that come out of nowhere. I think there's been a bit of mixed messaging on, on this right the way through, Not, I mean, from, from the media generally. Um, there seems to be this confusion that, that somehow Jamaica needs is now wanting to be fully independent. Um, and and the, 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 a lot of these protests talk about, you know, we, we, must, we must throw off the shackles of colonialism. And, and I, what hasn't really been expressed, um, and I think should be by you know somebody within the entourage or within the Governor General's office, is that Jamaica's been completely independent since independence in 1962. Mm -hmm. It's as independent as the UK or Canada or any other country. Um, and so the, the 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 Cambridges are being sort of set up as a sort of you know whatever your your complaint about Britain is, and they're not there representing Britain at all. They're representing the Queen of Jamaica. The Queen is Queen of Jamaica. They're not there in their capacity as ambassadors for Britain. They're there as ambassadors for Jamaica, and I think that point's been missed. And yet, William felt moved to confront 
Britain's history of slavery. Oh yeah, you've done. Um, what, what did you make of that? I thought that was that 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 absolutely that had to be uh, you know an absolute key part of his main speech, which it was in the same way that um, Prince Charles made very similar comments when he went to Barbados for the independence ceremony of Barbados, and I go back to to one of the most remarkable visits of the last of the post-war era, the Queen's very first state visit to Ireland. Uh, back in uh, 2011, where where she talked, she, she she said the same thing about you know regretting things that had happened. Um, so yeah, you've got you've got to, you've got to face up to facts. But I mean, the, the whole point of these visits is to sort of look forward, uh, to, to to sort of generate sort of optimism and and, and bilateral bonhomie. Um, but can I just ask why do they keep expressing sorrow? You said that they express sorrow and and stuff. Why don't they just say sorry? Well, uh, there are all sorts of um, gradations of, you know, how, how, can, how can you mm, yeah. apologise for something you didn't do is, 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 a, is a theme you often hear. I mean, they, they are the, the latter-day representatives of what happened in the past. I mean, if we go back through and history... The, and the latter-day beneficiaries, let's... Mm. Well, I mean, in the, yes, but of, of many other things besides. Mm. I mean, you know, the, 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 the fact is that they, they, as I say, the crown stands for so many things. I mean, it's the ultimate symbol of authority. But, but what hasn't come through on this trip is why when Jamaica and Belize, in fact, and the Bahamas, where they go next, why when all these countries were um, attaining independence, they had the option to take a presidential constitution like other countries, but they chose not to. They said, no, we want the queen. We want to retain the queen as our head of state. And they weren't doing it for, for sentimental reasons or, or, or for personal reasons. I'm sure they liked her. Uh, but they were doing it because they could see that the crown is a very effective bullock against um, overmighty politicians. That's why they have this system there, because the, 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 the judiciary, the armed forces, the honours system, all these things cannot be controlled by the politicians because they're in the hands of the crown. It's not so much the queen as Mrs. Windsor. It's the, it's the queen as the concept of the, the, the monarch of... Of, of these countries um, provides you with some, provides the people, not foolproof, but it gives you levels of defence against, against, basically against the bad guys. That's it's, why I mean, they, they installed these systems, not because of some sort of um, deference or, or grovelling. It's, it's a very good point, but how powerful do you think the next generation of monarchy will be I, in I, arguing that and maintaining that, I, I, I think I think the writing's on the wall. I think what we see in Jamaica, we've seen in Barbados. I think over time, and it makes total sense. I mean, you know, these countries, you've got young people thinking, why have we got a head of state who who lives on you know thousands of miles away and only comes here every now and then? Um, it's a perfectly natural um, sentiment to want to, to to want to change things. But what I don't think anyone's doing is making the the, the argument for why why is the crown there? Why you know and you see time and again. Um, and in some of these countries, there has been fairly widespread corruption. And, and I think there is a wariness by the politicians as well. I mean, when I was writing my book, I found that the you know, Foreign Office files going back to the 70s, they were talking then about having a referendum on the crown. And, and, and the high, British High Commissioner in Kingston in 1975 said, oh, by the end of the year, I think the Queen will no longer be Queen of <laughs> That's Jamaica. Fascinating. Nearly 50 yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah, because yeah. the politicians know that actually among the public, there's not really any great, huge, widespread public appetite. What do you think about the Cambridges? Can they save the Commonwealth, as it were? I think they can. They obviously are not old and fuddy-duddy. They may not be cool, but they're certainly oh, yeah, they're the younger cool, phase. Though, they're they? not yeah. that cool. Yeah. They're not that cool. Although I have to say, Kate's really like owning her, her sort of image and her style Oh, she's now. looking amazing. She's yeah. looking amazing. Um, she definitely looks more powerful and influential than she's looked in past tours. Um, can they save the monarchy? I do feel like they've, tur they've turned up and it's almost been doomed to fail, this whole thing. It's like they sent, they've been sent forward as sort of cannon fodder or something. 
But can they save the monarchy? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. Do you think there's been any... The Queen is often praised for sort of like the coding in her wardrobe, you know, sort of like blue on a day when she's talking about the EU or whatever. Have you seen any of that in this Jamaican tour? I think she's worn yellow and she's worn green. Last night she wore green um, and it was quite spectacular and she's wearing much bolder colours. So I suppose she must be doing coding. She's definitely power dressing, I'd say. Mm. Anything to add to that, Robert? I wouldn't dare. Oh, I've got a blue tie, a blue suit and a blue shirt. I do, I do think though, I mean, I'm very, I, I like the fact that she's, you know, she's wearing, wearing Jamaican colours in, in, in some of her wardrobe, but I'm not going to venture beyond that into the realms <laughs> it's of fashion. A, it's a nice and it's a quiet way to show respect, I think, and I think sometimes it gets underrated. But, yeah, she's yeah. pulling out all the stops. It's mm. kind of a mark of respect. She's mm. not just sort of picking mm. the nonsense out of the back of her wardrobe. Well, certainly, when you go, go you, go, you <laughs> don't like it. Wardrobes, yeah. wardrobes yeah. Are, are a very useful form of diplomacy. I mean, I mentioned earlier that the Queen's state visit to Ireland but that sticks in my mind because as she arrived I was standing um, with, with a whole load of um, Irish and international journalists as she arrived and the door of the plane opened and out she came emerald green and one of them said oh that's it she can go home now she's won <laughs> yeah. you know, it just, she, yeah. she, she was wearing green but again at the, at, the, at the state banquet in Dublin her dresser had sewn um, thousands or certainly hundreds of little um, crystal shamrocks into mm. her dress it was oh, a, wow. just a small touch but it really, it sort of resonated. You know, there's no well, no I mean, words spoken. It just it just showed that I'm making an effort. It's interesting know. that you raise Ireland because obviously Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall have been on tour to Ireland this week. Indeed, from what was a really difficult position 25 years ago, it seems that the royal sort of trip across the Irish Sea has become something a bit more common. Yeah, they, they, it's become a, a, a sort of a normal thing. I mean, I remember going on one of one of Prince Charles's early visits to. Uh, I mean, this is back in the in the 90s to to Londonderry, and, and that was Northern Ireland. That was, you know, that got quite tense. Things had to be cancelled at the last minute because of protests. And then, really, he he started going there. He's he's incredibly fond of of of, of Ireland. He's he 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 could go there before the Queen, so he was going there before her state visit. Since that state visit, things have opened up a lot more. It's particularly difficult post Brexit because you've got that whole issue to do with Northern Ireland Protocol. That's definitely made things. A little trickier, mm. and the, one of the things Britain can do uh, is, is is send royalty because that, it's apolitical. So if you're trying to uh, stress the sort of human dynamic between two countries and get away from the politics, actually a visit like this can help. But it has been completely—I'm sure you would agree, Charlotte—it's been completely obscured by the uh, by the by the Caribbean and the, and the Cambridges. Yeah, but I'm sure he's giving uh, William advice about how to handle tricky tours with sometimes hostile. Um, audiences. But what is this about um, Charles considering plans to open some of his homes to Ukrainian refugees? I know there's a lot of talk of considering plans to. <laughs> like, has he actually done it? Has he actually opened the doors to Buckingham Palace and said, we've got 400 bedrooms? I mean, take, that take would be pick. extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, it would be extraordinary. I actually wouldn't put it past Charles, but um, it just seems to be moving quite slowly. I'm yet to see any evidence of him actually doing it. And also the practicalities of at some point, they would have to be asked to leave again. Yeah, I mean, and that would be a complete PR disaster. Such a good point, Joe. And there probably would be security issues, I suppose. They would have to vet the people that come in. And would that be a good look to start vetting refugees? But um, it is interesting when there are British people opening their much smaller, much more modest homes. Yeah. Well, they need to get cracking and hurry yeah. up because, uh, you know, I've seen no actual evidence yet. of. I'm, I'm sure they are looking at it. But, I, you know, the, the, A, they've got to be very confident of who they're they're letting in them I mean, there are yeah. there already are security issues in this i mean they can't be 
swept aside. Mm. Uh, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if for, for Dumfries House has been spoken about. That's not technically a royal residence. I mean, the, the, the Prince mm. of Wales owns it. But that would be that would be a good venue. Good I, mean, I, I don't I don't think any great reluctance on his part. I think just it'll be the officials wanting to wanting to check anything. As to you point panic, out, yeah. what happens if we suddenly need to move people out? You know, yeah. and, uh, and 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 what sort of security is? I mean, if, if someone's making a place their home, then they've got every right to start taking snaps or you know go topless mm. in the garden or whatever. Now, can yeah. they do that in what's open to the public? And also, do they? Do, do you want to put people in a place where, where you've got lots of people wandering past taking pictures? So there, there, are, there are issues. Robert, I want to talk about your book. You've got oh, a new biography of the Queen. What do you think she will be making of this Caribbean visit? Do you think she'll be really interested in what Kate and William are doing and how they're handling it? I, I think, like every other challenge that we in the media, obviously we kind of get preoccupied with whatever the news of the moment is, she just she takes the long view. She's seen these things happen before. She's... You know, going right the way back through her reign, she's she's had all sorts of challenges. I mean, at any one point, um, there's always been somewhere one of her realms that's that's sort of getting fractious. And uh, I mean, I look back to the in the course of my book, I, I revisited some of her trips to Canada in the '60s. Back then, Canada was the the place that, that where the, where there were real protests. And at, I mean, at one point, there, were, there was talk of sort of snipers hiding out in the woods, trying to waiting to have a pot shot at her. Um, there were riots. I mean, the riot police uh, uh, arrested hundreds of people in, in Quebec, which was um, calling for the Queen not to turn up. So, I mean, she's mm. seen all this stuff. And then during the 80s and the 90s, it was Australia, which was the part of the world that was talking about referenda. And, you know, she went over there. She went She went to stay with Paul Keating. Oh, that still a, blows up every uh, now and again. Yeah. yeah. Do you think she picks up the phone and calls William and says, oh, I'm sorry, you're having a tricky time. Here's my well, advice. that's my question. It's like, yeah, it's... Do you think she has notes for them on their return? Yeah. I think it's more a case of if they want her advice, they can have it. She's very much not uh, into sort of giving people lessons, telling this is how you do it. I mean, I did interview Prince William a few years ago about this. Uh, for for my, one of my previous books, and and he he said, you know, she's she's always there, but she doesn't sort of say this is what you do. I think a lot of it is it's just you know learn by experience. Mm. But if he if he, I'm quite sure if there's if there's a moment that uh, he's he's worried about something, or how do I how should I frame this, uh, he would have no uh, hesitation about picking up the phone and, and asking her advice. And I know I mean I remember Prince Charles used to do that a lot, particularly with the Queen Mother actually. He'd often say, look, you know, what, 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 what do you think? Well, what, what's a good way of doing this? And dare I ask, what have you learned about her relationship with Prince Harry and Meghan? Well, I think the relationship with Harry is still very strong. Um, it's, uh, you know, there is a real, uh, there's, there's a, a fondness, a bond there. He's devoted to her. Um, and, and she's very good at compartmentalising, talking to people who know her very well. You know, there's, there's, there's sort of family and there's business. So the whole issue of them leaving the royal family, um, their sussexroyal.com website, all that kind of thing, their, their patronages, that comes under, that's business, that gets dealt with separately. But in terms of grandmother-grandson relationship, it's still, it's still, it's still very strong. And mm. uh, I, I, clearly she's, she will be sad that you know, he's not coming over for this, uh, for this service uh, next week. Uh, but you know, at the same time, she's seen so much, she's been through so many, you know, dramas, family dramas, national, international dramas that uh, she, she can stand back and just think, well, you know, um, as one of her former officials told me, she, she, she operates on the principle, this storm too shall pass. Yeah. Well, speaking of that memorial next week, there is some concern that the Queen won't be able to go. What, do you know anything about that? I, I think they'll be keeping an open mind. Um, 
until really quite the last minute. I mean, we were all expecting to see the Queen at the Commonwealth service at Westminster Abbey, which I was at last week um, on, on, on Commonwealth Day. And she just decided, um, with a few days to go, she thought, no, actually, I'll, I'll sit this one out. I'll watch it on TV. I'm sure there will be, she'll make every effort she can to be there. But I don't think she I wants mean, to take any risks. How heartbreaking if she can't? Well, she, again, she's realistic. She, she, she's stoical. She will take the view that, you know, if, if it's better that I don't go for whatever reason. I'm, I'm, what I'm picking up, I don't know about you, Charlotte, but I'm, I'm definitely picking up that it's, this is not a, a medical condition we need to worry about. This is, this is down to two issues, which are mobility and dignity. Um, yeah. One is, is, is moving around uh, comfortably. And it's a big ask, you know, come up from Windsor, you, even if she takes a short route into Westminster Abbey, it's still quite a long walk up an aisle in front of 2,000 people, live TV cameras, and then you're, you're sitting in a, in a pretty much bolt upright in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in her chair for long an hour. Service. Uh, Is there any chance that she can do that and then leave halfway through? I think, or, or just do the, the well, beginning yeah. bit or something. I think that, that then raises more questions um, than it asks. But, but the other key thing is dignity. She, you know, she is the queen. She wants to look like the queen. She doesn't want to look infirm mm. or... Mm. Um, well, you, you know, were God, saying that last God week. forbid, yeah, have some totally sort of fall. She, I mean, I, I think what, I do the same thing. What, what might be, and what, it's, it's all about sort of normalising the next stage of, of where we are. So, you know, I remember the first year when she didn't come to the cenotaph. That was quite a big thing, you know, mm. but now um, we, we're sort of used to that. Um, and I think what would be a nice thing would be if perhaps if either Prince Charles or maybe the Duke of Cambridge or, or someone, uh, you know, maybe took her by the arm into the Abbey. I mean, we're mm. so used to these sort of formal processions. It doesn't have to be like that. This is a family event. I mean, who would, uh, I think it would send out a very strong statement, perhaps, if she you was do feeling... do Meghan Markle and meet him halfway down <laughs> she wants to be independent. <laughs> Make an entrance. I don't. Yeah. Queen, one She's person who does not need to make an entrance, entrance <laughs> yeah. as a queen. No, really. I have a question for you. If I want to steal Joe's job for a second, <laughs> far away. Do you think the queen is still driving? Uh, not lately. Um, uh, I don't know whether she's given up driving for good. I suspect. Maybe she's she's decided after all. Um, Prince Philip's driving career did not um, end That's well. That's why I'm so fascinated to know. Uh, but on the whole, she she still has recently um, not not immediately in the last few weeks, but I mean, in, in certainly within the last year, she's been seen driving around the estate. I don't. Yeah, think, she can't do much harm there, right? Not yeah. not really, because yeah. um, it's still got uh, signs everywhere saying speed limit 38 miles an hour. So Prince <laughs> Philip's unusual speed limit he put in. Um, I, I think what we can safely say is she's certainly given up riding. I don't yeah. think we'll see her. On her, on her fell pony again. That's a major moment, though, isn't it? I mean, the oh. day the Queen gives up riding is a big step in her. Ah, uh, yes, but I can't think of any other people approaching a 96th birthday <laughs> yeah. who are still regularly getting on a horse. Uh, no, yeah, it's a long way true. up. A Fair long enough. way up. Fair enough. Anyway, Robert Hardman's fascinating new book, The Queen of Our Times: The Life of Elizabeth II, is out now, published by Macmillan. Annoyingly, that is all we have time for on Palace Confidential today. My thanks to Rebecca English, Charlotte Griffiths, Robert Hardman and to you for watching. As always, we will see you next week.